Again, thank you for joining me in Studies in the Bible. My name is Brian Behrens. Our subject or topic today is what is man's greatest dilemma? To answer this question, we will begin a study in the providence of God and will introduce five key passages of the Old Testament in search for the answer to this question, what is man's greatest dilemma? The five key passages are Genesis chapters 3 through 11, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, Exodus 20 and 24, and 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 17, and Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. This study will ultimately reveal the shocking love of God for us and reveal the greatest love story ever told. Let's begin again by asking, what is man's greatest dilemma? The short answer to this question is really to answer a, to ask a second question, what is man's greatest fear? We will let the New Testament writer of the book of Hebrew answer both of these questions. In Hebrews chapter 2, 14 through 18, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore in all things... He had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself also suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. These verses may be the greatest summation of the redemptive work of God found in the Bible and God's shocking love for man. The two questions are answered in these verses, that being death. Our greatest dilemma and our greatest fear is death. Whether we are in touch with this consciously or unconsciously, the fact still remains we all have an appointment. The Hebrew writer also says this in Hebrews 9.27, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. You know, science can keep a virus alive forever in the laboratory, but they cannot keep us alive forever, and that's because death is a spiritual problem. Try as we may to eat right, exercise, take the latest superfoods. We all have this appointment Man has declared in a thousand ways death will not overtake him. Ponce de Leon, the great Spanish explorer, declared, having landed in Florida, that he had found the fountain of youth. Many Floridians may agree with that. Men today are attempting to use technology, pouring billions of dollars in research in hopes of cheating death, living forever. Like many in the past, they will all fail. The good news, however, there is one who was sent to deal 
with the fear of death, the heavy penalty of sin on our behalf, and that was Jesus Christ. Look at John 2, 19 through 24, in relationship to this. The Lord says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, 40 and six years was this temple in building. And wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Let's begin this search by going to the first of the five key passages of the Old Testament. And that's Genesis chapters 3 through 11. Genesis 3 through 11 are often referred to as the curse of sin or the fall of man. In Genesis 2, verse 8, we find God had planted a garden eastward in Eden and put the man he formed in it. Genesis 1, 26, we also find out God made us with special characteristics that the rest of his creation did not or does not possess. Look at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. What were some of these characteristics that were similar to God's? Language and thought. Awareness of the difference between right and wrong. The freedom to make choices. Why did God make man with these unique characteristics? Because it would permit fellowship with God. He desired fellowship with man, the man he formed. And God did commune with man. We might also notice that the first thing God said was not good was man being alone. Genesis chapter 2.8 tells us he took a rib from Adam and created Eve and instituted marriage between a man and a woman. Verse 25 of chapter 2 tells us that they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. In Genesis 2 also, verses 16 and 17, we find out that God had one major command. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... You shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now look at Genesis 3, 1 through 6, the first of the seven passages that are introduced, introduced this theme, the curse of sin, in Genesis chapter 3 through 11. Let's read that together. Now the serpent was more cunning than the rest of than any other beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the tree, fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
Then the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree desired to make one wise. She took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. The Bible teaches the free moral agency of man, the power of choice. With the violation of the command of God not to eat the fruit of, from the tree in the midst of the garden, there was a consequence. Adam and Eve now face death. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament some 4,000 years later ties into this great dilemma when he says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look back at Genesis 5. This is one of those chapters in the Bible we all skip over, the genealogy of Adam. Very repetitive. Um, for instance, let's begin reading chapter 5, 3 through 11. And Adam lived 130 years, and he begat a son in his own likeness, after his own image, and named him Seth. After he begat Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Seth lived 105 years and begat Enosh. After Enosh, after he begat Enosh, Seth lived 800, uh, 800 and seven years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Enosh lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And after he begat uh, Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. All of the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. There's an important detail at the end of all of the men listed in this genealogy, except for one. And that's the phrase, and he died. We need to ask the question, why are we told this? Well, as a result of sin, man now died. What this really is, is an obituary. God is letting us know, as a result of man's sin, he now dies. So the first of the seven ways the theme of the curse of sin is introduced in these chapters, 3 through 11, is the wages of sin is death. What else does sin result in? Look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. Then Canaan went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. As a result of Canaan rising up and killing his brother Abel, he was sent away from God. Secondly, sin separates man from God. Man was cast out of the garden. There is something else we notice with Cain and Abel. Look at Genesis 4, 8. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, 
And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Canaan rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Thirdly, sin destroys his relationship with his fellow man. Also, look at uh, Genesis chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Canaan shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. We see the progressive nature of sin. Lamech was proud of what he did. And then fourthly, in Genesis chapter 3, 17 through 19. Then to Adam, he said, Because you heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it, For all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herbs of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Fourthly, sin destroys his relationship with his environment. An environmental transformation had taken place. Instead of a peaceful, receptive environment Adam enjoyed in the garden, it became hostile. Today we experience hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, tornadoes, heat waves, and the like. And then fifth of the seven ways the theme of the curse of sin is introduced in these chapters 3 through 11 in Genesis. That sin is in fact universal. Look at Genesis chapter 6, 13 and 14. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. As a result of the blatant and comprehensive sin of man, God brings destruction on humanity. Turn over to Genesis chapter 11, 3 through 11, actually 3 through 9, and we'll find out that sin is reoccurrent. Let's read that together. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make brick and bake them thoroughly, and they, uh, they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the, all the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Instead of, uh, indeed, the people are all are one and they uh, all have one language and this is what they begin to do nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them come let us go down there and confuse their language 
that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. You might think after the flood, man would look to God. Instead, they violated the command of God spoken in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, and they built first a skyscraper, a tower to reach to heaven, a temple in which they might become gods. But here was the command back in Genesis 9.1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Seventh, sin brings social disruption. In Genesis 11.7, as a result of the disobedience we find in verse 7, Come, let us go down there and confuse their language. These are the seven uh, different things that are mentioned in Genesis chapter 3 through 11 in dealing with this theme, the curse of sin or the problem of sin. What is God doing in these chapters 3 through 11 of Genesis? I believe he is much like a parent that he was allowing man to flounder, showing man by himself cannot extricate himself from the curse of sin, the problem of sin. Man drifting further and further away from God. We will stop here. Again, thank you for your kind attention. In our next studies in the Bible, we will talk about the second key passage in the Old Testament, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the call of Abraham, and how this plays into the redemptive work of God in this, the greatest love story ever told. If you have any comments or questions or would like a free correspondence course sent to you on how to become a Christian, email me at brianbarons at protonmail.com. This podcast can be found on Spotify under the title Studies in the Bible. Again, I hope this, wa- this has been helpful in your search for truth.